Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Ardent Run Club. I'm Tony, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by another Northeast-based coach. He's the founder of New Levels Coaching and co-founder of Running Retreats, Runner Retreats. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Lewis Moses. Evening. How are you doing, Lewis? I'm very well, thank you, Tommy. Thank you very much for having me as well. Pleasure, it's a pleasure. So... Today, Lewis, really just want to talk to you, just get to know you, get to know your history in running and, and coaching and um, just your passions around the whole sport. Um, so is that cool with you? Is that good? That, that's cool. I've, I've always got asked the question, how long have we got? Because <laughs> when I get talking, running, <laughs> can't you Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> if it takes, however long it takes, if it takes too long, we can split it into two episodes. It doesn't matter. I'm here for, for a good time, so... Let's just chat. Let's just see how it goes. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So, Lewis, yeah, you've been coaching in some capacity for a few years now. But before that, you are obviously an athlete. I saw some of your runs and some of your times on Power of 10. And boy, oh boy, you were special. You had some pretty, what was your 5K? Was it 14, 15? And um, you had all those like proper quick times. Tell me, tell me about that. What was like, what did you specialize in? What were your PBs? Yeah, it was a, a funny one because I, I probably went to 5K a little bit too late, to be honest. Yeah. I uh, I ran 14, 14, 14, 15 on the roads uh, around about 2013, 2014, somewhere around that. But I actually didn't uh, translate fully or transfer fully to 5K until around about 2017, 2018. And I ended up running 1347 on the track, which was still obviously still my PB. Uh, but I, I kind of left the sport with, um, that was probably my only thought process was, did I leave it a little bit too late to transition up to the 5k? Because yeah. predominantly I spent my time as more of a, as an American term, a miler, a 1500 meter runner over mm -hmm. here. And that's where I enjoyed a lot of my successes. And, and that's probably why, um, I got a little bit too comfortable with being a, a 1500 meter runner. And I, yeah. I'm probably looking back now, I read a lot of self-development books and I do think and I analyze and think I maybe stayed in my comfort zone a little bit too long yeah yeah but 1500 was your comfort zone and you were getting a lot of success there what was your sort of pb and that's in yeah when you were racing so my pb for 1500 actually came indoors which is a weird one because yeah. most people run quicker outdoors but yeah, yeah. I think I was my style was very suited to the indoor environment and I really thrived off the the tactical indoor setting. Yeah. So my PB is 341.33, which um that that year was the year I ran that I ran that twice. I ran identical PBs and wow. um funnily enough, my my training partner at the time and good friend Adam Cotton, he has a identical PB to me as well, which is wow very strange <laughs> yeah yeah very strange um but yeah that was actually the year of 2012 which was at the time a world indoor qualifier and that qualified me for the world indoor champs in istanbul which is probably you know my my greatest athletics achievement um so that was yeah what, what was that that was eight years ago now it makes me feel old <laughs> Lip, man that's awesome what World indoor. Okay, that's huge. That's huge. But we'll get we'll get there. But before we get there, let's talk about how it started. How it all started off. Like, where did your passion for running come from? That's a really good question, actually, because uh, my family were uh, were always fitness related. They were always into some form of sport and fitness, but yeah. they never pushed pushed us into anything. And actually, I grew up more as a footballer, and I would say that my passion was football. But I would say that running found me as opposed to I, I found running. I I like the element of individuality of running that everything belonged to me and in a sense of the ownership stopped with me. That's how I felt it was. I felt like when I was playing football, I could have a good game and we might lose and I'd get yeah. really frustrated by that. Um, whereas if I had a bad performance in running, the book stopped with me or there were certainly things we could do with you know your coach and you could talk that through with your coach and mentors but ultimately the book stops with you and I really liked that element of it but I didn't really take running up properly till I was 15 16 um yeah. 
I met a met a coach uh, who's still a really good friend of mine called Paul Harker, and I, and I owe a lot to Paul because he he ultimately is responsible for transforming my life. Because without running, I would have never gone to university. I would never have come to Loughborough, and the journey kind of started there, really, for me. So wow. they they do say certain individuals, try, you know absolutely transform your life and I believe Paul was that that person for me but at the same time I, I look back and there was a lot of almost roadblocks in the way preventing me being coached by Paul at the time and I went out of my way even so much so I mean you might not remember this Tommy because you're a bit younger but I always tell the story of I remember trying to ring Paul from my house phone and I had to wait until my parents were off the internet so I could call them because Back then, you couldn't use the internet and a telephone at the same time. <laughs> what? You know what? That yeah. sounds ancient. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> mad, isn't it? Yeah, that's mad. But that's so cool. So you started getting coached by Paul and your yeah. life just started to change. Is your passion for running just grew deeper and deeper? Yeah, yeah. it was, I think it really opened my eyes to the bigger, wider world. I, I went down to Loughborough. Um, I think sometimes, again, coming back to the whole comfortable thing, you can get com- comfortable in your environment, particularly at home in the Northeast. Yeah. As as you will know, the Northeast is a very welcoming area. Uh, they are very, they're very close. They have really close communities and they back you to the high heavens. Like the support you get from people in the Northeast is just incredible. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I felt like, I always had this connection to the Northeast and I was scared of going out of that bubble. And it was Paul who really pushed me into taking a leap of faith and going to Loughborough University. And then I met some very good friends and most of my friends are still running related or we met through running connections. Um, And to be honest, I just started to appreciate the different cultures people came from, the different backgrounds people came from, I wanted to travel the world through running, meet new people. And that is what drew me in was the people that you meet and the places you get to see. And I say to any child getting into the sport, don't get into running for money because there's not much in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So when did you kind of, was it a Loughborough that you realized you were really good at running or was it maybe a bit earlier than that? Um, one of my school teachers, uh, John Stevenson, uh, again, I stay in touch with uh, Mr. Stevenson, Sir Mr. Stevenson yeah. to this day, but he always used to say that I had a unique ability for long distance running. And he, fortunately for me, he was my form tutor at, uh, at secondary school. But I think that the penny dropped when I was uh, starting to win things like county championships uh, when Paul took over my coaching setup as I got more structured I started to win more and recognize okay then you know finishing in the top 20 at the English schools cross country there must be something there yeah you know you you must have a, an ability uh, that you kind of a little bit untapped because you'd not done the training that the other guys had done um, and then when I got to Loughborough I think the biggest thing was that I was on an upward curve. I was very much coming into Loughborough with everything to achieve. And I saw it that way. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people at Loughborough come and they're already established. And I think some people come here with a mindset of they're almost set up to fail because they're already top of their game. The only way is down. Wow. Uh, so I, I kind of saw it as like, well, I can go after those people in a nice way. Like some of them are, are friends, but I could, almost see myself going up in in the pecking order and I think that's what gave me the belief is as I started to to go up the rankings in the UK and as I started to be more competitive I started to believe more in myself yeah that's awesome and speaking about being competitive touched on it earlier the the world indoors in Istanbul is that your favorite race that you can participate in that whole event that's a great question um the event itself, as in an experience, the the most overwhelming thing for me for that weekend was seeing your family out there at the track and thinking they've taken me everywhere as a kid. They've taken me on rainy nights to the track in Darlington, to Shieldon, to Newton Aircliffe. 
And then seeing them all there trackside in Istanbul, it was like, okay, this feels like I've really achieved something. But to share it with them was the most special moment for sure. Um, yeah. The 1500 itself, it was, to be honest, it was a bit of a reality check for me because it was like, wow, this is another level. You know, yeah. this really is. A, I went from winning the British Championships three weeks earlier to feeling like, oh my God, this is a totally new ball game. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So I guess my my best memory of racing was winning that British Championship, that feeling of yeah. um, crossing the line and feel, knowing that I was going to get to put on the GB vest. It was just That's big. relief. Yeah, it was, it was huge. It was everything I'd strive to achieve. But earlier on that year, and a lot of people don't know this, but... I worked in a special educational needs school and I'd worked with a child uh, called Eve Skebe and he um, he passed away earlier the, the year before, actually late in the year before, around about November. And I just remember thinking all winter, I wanted to win that race because he had so many challenges in his life um, and it inspired me to train because it made me appreciate what we can do. And I, every time I was thinking about, should I go off my run? I just thought, well, you know, we're quite blessed to be able to do what we can do. That's true. And when I crossed that line, I just looked up to the sky and was like, that one's, that one's for you. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. That's so inspiring. So inspirational. That's so cool. And so talking about like, even just the privilege of training, the privilege of getting to go on those runs that we actually have. Tell me about your training when you were at the top of your of your performance at your peak. Yeah, so training looked, um, I would describe it as, you know, pretty standard for a middle distance guy. You had your long run in there on a weekend, usually on a Sunday, because that's like religion in this country. Yeah. Um, and then I'd have a, a Tuesday session, uh, a little bit of a tempo type workout on a Thursday, usually a, a hill session or a session or a track session, depending on the time of year on the Saturday, very much longer volume in the winter. So ticking up to kind of 80 miles per week Seriously? in the winter. Wow. Um, that would taper down obviously a little bit when it's competing on the track. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was coached by John Nuttall, who was a British athletics coach at the time and a very, very good athlete himself. And, he opened my eyes to the importance of running drills, technical drills, strength and conditioning work. Um, and that was a big, big part of transforming my running, particularly my, the speed element of, of my running yeah. performance. So okay. it was very much a holistic approach, as in I was doing everything and anything I could do. Yeah. Um, and that I feel like that's what transformed me from, you know, a national standard runner to be able to go and compete internationally. Yeah. Well, that's necessary, isn't it? Like when you've, when you're, you've got that zero options mentality, when you've gotten no other option, but to train really hard so that you can reach that goal. Of course, you've you got to do that. So. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the biggest learning curves for me was actually seeing what other people did and learning from them and surrounding myself with the right people. So the likes yeah. of Chris Thompson, who was a very established international athlete at that time and is still a good friend um, and also seeing the people who I didn't think were doing it right and yeah. almost trying to learn off them and their mistakes. And a lot of those guys and girls became very good mentors. So the likes of Helen Clitheroe, who I just describe as the ultimate professional. Um, she was she was such an inspirational athlete to be around and a great mentor. But what she did is she didn't take the sport too serious either. She was when she was switched on, she was switched on, but outside of training, it was almost like she could flick a switch and be totally relaxed with it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Cause otherwise you start worrying and stressing over something and it's like, you don't even have to do that right now. Just chill out no. when you chill out and work when you got to work. It's really exactly. good. Yeah. And so touching on those training sessions, did you have any that you particularly enjoyed and any that you particularly hated as well? Oh, yeah, there was always some you hated. <laughs> always some you hated. The one that stands out, I always refer to this session. It's a classic kind of 1,500-meter miler session. It's 10 400s off one-minute recovery. And by the end, you are just kind of swimming in 
well, not swimming in lactic, but you're having to tolerate that yeah. lactic rising, and it's it's a horrible, horrible feeling. Oh, um, man. But when you nail one, you you know you're in shape. It was a really good kind of barometer to think, you know, what I'm at. If I can knock these out in 60s, I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that was a, a session I always dreaded. But if I executed it well, I was I was really happy with myself. Yeah. Um, I actually started to like the longer reps and the longer sessions because I felt like I could control them really well, and I got better at the aerobic work as I got older so that again that's probably why I transitioned well to 5k so yeah things like six by a mile on the track with um the late great George Gandhi jumping in his sessions and yeah and you know I'll forever remember George shouting the classic he used to do it as six by five minutes so we could all stop at the same time and then have the same amount of recovery and George was famous for his old five minutes he would shout at the end of every rep and uh I think (laughs) Even just that memory is like, that just gives me kind of goosebumps now thinking they were great sessions, like really, really good sessions, big group, thriving off each other, everybody running around the track. Yeah. So that that's one of the good sessions that stands out for me. Yeah. And it's not just the, the session, it's the community, the camaraderie that you're just talking about as well. And like you said earlier, just getting into running, not for the money, but also for the people you get to meet. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, for me personally, that is the biggest thing I will, like money can't buy friends, money can't buy fr- yeah. family, you know, yeah. to a certain extent, I guess it can, but then you, you wouldn't have real friends and uh, yeah. real close people around you. So running the community is just unbelievable. The people who you meet and associate yourself with are just special people and 100%. you get to see you get to see some unbelievable places. You know, I was fortunate enough to go to the likes of Kenya, France, Spain, Portugal, Austria, South Africa. You know, the list is just endless. And that was, that was running. That was just through running. And would I have done that without running? Probably not. Yeah. So you really went international. You really went global with this. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I guess my question then is, because I, I don't know, you might have, you sound like you're really accomplished. You got to the international level. You competed in the world indoors. You traveled all over the world. But did you have any other specific goals when you were, um, when you were actually competing? Um. I guess the big one being totally transparent was I wanted to go to Olympic games. It's everybody's ultimate dream. And um, I don't see going to world championships as a failure. I think you go to world championships as a result of trying to go to an Olympic games. Yeah. Um, There's many a great athletes who don't make an Olympic games. When I transitioned to the 5k, I, I strongly believed I could run the standard at the time, which was around about 1325, but, to be honest, what eventually made me retire was all of a sudden the game changed. They became a lot more guys who could do that. The qualification standard got tougher. And to a certain extent, you do know your limits. And as I was getting older, I was starting to break down more. Um, unfortunately, I had a bit of a uh, turn with my heart, which is a condition that I'll have for the rest of my life. It's not a very dangerous condition, but it is still enough to scare you. And um I think if you're going to do something fully and properly, you need to be 100% committed physically and mentally. And and that's a big part of my game. I was always switched on mentally. And when I felt like I lost that side of things, uh, that's probably what stopped me. But that would have been, yeah, the one big goal that I always had in my mind was to go to Olympic Games. Other goals were to set a career up outside of, of the sport. So, um, I always loved coaching. I got my got my first coaching badge in about 2007. Um, wow. My wife, my wife will say that she was my boss because she was running the Star Trek athletics scheme, and I was a assistant <laughs> coach on that scheme. So she'll claim that she was my boss at that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. But talking about coaching, there, then, um, is that why you got into coaching? Because, well further into it because of your heart your slight heart issue that I think that ultimately I'd already started uh, the business at that point 
Um, but I think it was kind of the wake up call that I was doing too much, that I was trying to coach. I was trying to still compete. Uh, I was trying to run the business. It was complete overload and it was the warning yeah. sign that I probably, probably needed to be honest. Um, okay. initially getting into coaching, um, my, I do have a bit of a family background with coaching because my great uncle who actually coached Paul Harker, my initial coach. Yeah. Um, wow. he, so he was a, yeah, he was a running coach and my uncle, Mike, uh, his son was a really good athlete and Mike and Steve Cram were close rivals when they were younger. So there was always this connection with running in the family, just the other side of the family, mm-hmm. but, but it always intrigued me. I was always fascinated, almost a little bit too much because I would get so wrapped up in my own training that eventually my final coach in the sport, Alex Haynes, who's still a really good mentor for me, he... He just said to me when he coached me, you need to lose your coaching mindset for yourself. Is that because you're wrapping yourself up too much in what you're doing? And I was overthinking things. Yeah. I guess that took a bit of the fun away from it, did it? It did. Absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. I was um, mentally, it was tough. It was a strain. I was overanalyzing things. I'd lost the fun element of the sport and kind of forgotten why I did the sport. Mm-hmm. and it took for somebody to pull me aside and say, well, it actually took me to quit. I quit, and then um, I had a conversation with Alex about coaching, and he said, if we're going to do this, you do it my way, you pull yourself out of the coach, you just turn up and just enjoy the sessions, and that, again, that transformed my career later on in life, which is then when I had success over the 5K and went on to get a bronze at the British Champs over the 3,000 as well. Amazing. So let's let's talk about your coaching career then, okay? So yeah. when did you firstly decide to hang up the spikes and pick up the clipboard and pick up the, the timer? Stop <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well actually I still do jump in with the guys training as well. So this is a this is a funny one because I, I try to help them out pacing if if I know somebody's gonna be on their own. I will help them out with a session and I, I always want to be able to do that. And I sometimes feel like there's a lot of information you can get from the side of the track, watching athletes with a clipboard and a stopwatch. Mm-hmm. But I'm a big believer as well is in, there's a lot of information you can get from running next to an athlete. You can hear their stride on the track. You can hear their breathing. You can hear how they're managing a session and I really like being in that element because I can get a feel of what my athletes are actually feeling in the session yeah. itself. So to a certain extent, I haven't hung up the spikes fully. Yeah, just can't <laughs> um, get away from it. Can't get away from it, that's <laughs> it. But competitively, I'm totally at peace with the fact that I don't want to race competitively anymore. And I made that decision uh, at the... I actually made that decision in May 2018. Okay. Right. And so now as a coach, how, uh, who do you coach? Do you coach at a club or is it a group that you have? So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I have a group in Loughborough and they are very much student based or live in the Loughborough area and former students. Yeah. And they are all classed as elite athletes with elite aspirations who are aiming for uh like international vests, some of them, some of them already have international vests. Uh, they're all looking to better their personal best and they're still very much involved at the, in the sport at the highest level. And then it varies because from a business point of view, I then coach people online all over the world and that's done remotely. I work with athletes all the way from 1500 meters up to marathon and some go slightly beyond the marathon. Um, but that's where we tend to specialize in the aerobic events. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, let's talk about, about the business, new levels coaching. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, So let's talk about that. We'll put a, we'll tag it as well in the description so people can go ahead and follow it. Um, but yeah, new levels coaching. What, what specifically is it? So New Levels Coaching is a coaching service that helps runners and triathletes to find their potential. And it is really as simple as that. We pride ourselves on being one community, one team, and we have one vision. And that vision is to help other people find their potential. Now, we do that physically and mentally because I believe running and triathlon and endurance sports bring so much mental strength and and very 
they give people a, mental, a good mental well-being, mental state. So we want them to be physically healthy, but mentally healthy as well. Um, now, when I formed New Levels Coaching, it was very much I wanted to just raise people's games. I wanted to help them to, you know, I thought, let's push everyone to raise their game. But actually what I realized is that people enjoy consistency. People want to be able to train. That keeps them happy and healthy. So we very much have a motto of, keeping runners happy and healthy, keeping them fit and injury free so that they can enjoy their training and also enjoy the performances that come with that. Yeah, that's awesome. And sorry, how long have you been doing it for? When did you so start? I set new levels coaching up in around about August of 2017. Okay. And that's, so, that's, is that what you do on a daily basis now? That's the main thing. Yeah, so it started off part-time helping out a few athletes here and there. Yeah. And uh, it slowly built, but I had other jobs at the time. So I was still working as an elite sports tutor at Loughborough College, mm -hmm. mentoring athletes. Um, I then did a part-time fundraising role for my wife's charity, which is a charity that's very close to my heart. Um, so I was kind of, I had multiple jobs and coaching was very much a side side hobby at that point. Yeah. And then um, I decided to, you know, take the plunge of going more part-time and then full-time. And now I am full-time. I coach and work on the business. And we have four other coaches at New Levels Coaching who, who help numerous athletes as well. That's awesome. It's always great when you can take your hobby and make it your main, your main thing. So that, that yeah. must have been a great feeling to, to make that jump. Yeah, and that's all I ever wanted from it really was to... I remember setting myself goals at the start and it was to be able to work from anywhere in the world with like-minded people who I can help to achieve their potential, yeah. but it's doing something that you love. And there's, I get up on a Monday morning, I say this to people, I know people think, oh, you're just saying that, but I get up on a Monday morning and I'm excited for the work week because it's almost like every week's a new chapter. There's not more races coming and you've got to plan for those races. It's yeah, there's always something new in coaching. That's awesome. And so as a remote coach for, or for some of your athletes who are worldwide, I guess, how do you set sessions? How, do you do it specifically for them or is there a kind of template that you use? Yeah, it's um, one thing that we really pride ourselves on is that we do not do generic plans. I don't believe in generic plans. I believe every individual should have their plan and their training. It should be structured towards their needs. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of people who come to us asking for a generic plan and they would pay less for that, but I would never take money off someone for a generic plan. Yes. Yeah. I just don't believe it's the right thing to do for them. So what we do is we actually use an app. It's a, it's a great app. It's called Final Surge. It's similar to apps like Training Peaks that people use. Uh, we set their training on that app. So they have access to that from their side of things. They can see their training on the app. And then it cleverly links to their watch or their tracking device, which they use. So it automatically updates from their watch or their tracking device. We can see where they've ran, how fast they've ran. We can look at the workout map. We can look at all the statistics and data on the app, and then we can comment and feedback on there. So we're in touch with them every single day. We, you know, there's not a day go by where we don't see what they're doing. <laughs> wow. And so there's that, there's new levels coaching, which is just phenomenal, but you're also co-founder of Runner Retreats. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, that was due to be our first one this year in June, which we all know what happened yeah. there. <laughs> um, so that's been postponed till June of next year, which fingers crossed by then we are back to normality and we, you know, we can start going on holidays and things again. But yeah, yeah that was a, a vision of I've always worked on training camps and I've helped on different types of training camps but I always wanted to go to inspirational environments around the world and very much apply a holistic coaching method to the week away so looking at the strength and conditioning side of things look at the technical side look at the running look at the mindset but also do that in an inspirational setting around inspirational people and fortunately for me, I have a friend, uh, Matt Wood, who is co-founder of Run Through Events, who shares that same vision. Yeah. And 
when we were speaking about it, he just said, look, let's do it. And then I was like, okay, let's do it. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, that Andrew, was that's, it. Yeah, that's awesome. And actually, just before I forget as well, I obviously came across you from watching the Fast 5K a couple of weeks ago and you were doing some of the interviews afterwards. How did you, well, how did you get that opportunity to do those interviews at that event? Well, as my wife always says, I love to talk. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, so I've always, um, I've always enjoyed public speaking. I've always enjoyed being in front of an audience. I do a lot of friends' weddings where I act as master of ceremony, and oh. it's something that I just enjoy doing. And um, as a result of that, certain companies again run through events got in touch and said would you come and be on the mic for certain race days uh, that then transpired into other events companies asking me to to be on the mic to commentate on the race days as well um, that has also led to other opportunities of you know uh, being a presenter so I was uh, a presenter and uh, commentating at uh, Runfest last year which is a really good event that was uh, run by Chris Evans and his team and, and that was great. So interviewing athletes and then obviously the link then came to events of the North, which is Steve Cram, Alison Kerbishley, Josie Cram, Marcus and the team. And they have the Steve Cram training camps as well. So then it tied in doing the event commentary for events of the North, but also hosting some question answers and also helping out on the training camps. That's awesome. So you've worked with Steve Cram um, in his training camps what is what is Steve like because obviously he's a, a legend obviously massive in the northeast like part of our huge heritage up here but what's he like as a person uh first off he's a Mackham so we've, we've got to get that one out there <laughs> <laughs> so he's a he's an avid Sunderland fan he loves, he loves oh, his football. um but uh Steve as Gemma describes Steve, he's like it's like having another dad. <laughs> yeah. He he is as typical northeastern guy as you can meet. He's down to earth. That's you great. use the word legend. He is a legend. He's a legend not in just the running terms. He's a legend personally as well. Yeah. Um, he's he's very welcoming. He's he's very good with people. He has never forgotten his roots, where he's from, and he absolutely loves what he does. He loves yeah. what he does. And I think that passion comes across when he's on the TV. But the same guy you see on the same guy you see on the TV on the BBC is the same guy hurling sponsorship banners around his events. He's moving gates. He's moving, you know, he's in the, the thick of his events, and that shows his passion for what he does. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. I was saying to somebody yesterday that the Northeast is just, it's just got such a strong heritage of, of athletes and runners specifically. And it's just great to have people like Steve uh, to look up to and to get inspired by um, for everybody up here in the Northeast. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, completely agree. It's kind of a hotbed I found for ath athletics. I don't know what it yeah. is, but I think, yeah, I think there's something to do with like, the working class background it makes you want more and that yeah. attitude goes far in athletics yeah 100 percent. and just to wrap up like the main part before we go into our quick fire round at the end oh. i want to just know <laughs> i just want to know um if you were to just give me a couple takeaways that you've learned about yourself through running and through coaching what would those be um great question one of my biggest takeaways that mistakes happen but you need to learn from those mistakes and don't be afraid to fail you know you're gonna get injured you're you're going to make mistakes along the way but learn from those mistakes as best you can because ultimately that's what makes you that's what defines you we go from one performance to another and if they're good performances, we sometimes don't analyze them. We just think, oh, yeah, great. You know, we're, we're God's gift. Let's just move on to the next one. Yeah. But we don't spend time analyzing those performances. When we make mistakes, it makes us sit and reflect. And it's the best thing you can do because you learn how to improve and you learn how to be better. So just accept that mistakes are part of the game, but 
don't let it knock you down. Make sure that you come back from those mistakes because ultimately it's a learning journey along the way and the, it's not a smooth ride. We do not live in a world where we have linear progression the entire time. It's up That's and true. down, it's round. So that that would be my my first takeaway. My My second takeaway would be go after your goals and set big goals. Don't be afraid to set big goals and go after them. You know, I said earlier, I had a goal, a dream of going to the Olympic Games. I don't see it as a failure that I didn't. I see it as an accomplishment that I achieved other things along the way. You will still achieve. It is, yeah, you still achieve big, big things. And the most important thing with goal setting is if you're going to set these goals, make sure you're taking action towards them. Because if you're not taking action towards them, then you are just daydreaming. Yeah. And um, yeah, they would be my my two top takeaways for, yeah. for other athletes. I guess the third one is just enjoy what you do. Be in the moment, like enjoy what you do. It's If you're running at a high level or any level, we're gifted that we can, and be grateful for the fact that you can move your legs and move That's your arms. So true, yeah. It's like, you know, we take it for granted, but I used to work in special educational needs schools and I seen people who didn't have that privilege that we have and they lived very challenging lives and they were inspiring in their own right because they could do far greater things than what I could do on a track yeah what they achieved so don't take for granted what you have and be grateful for what you do have that's awesome wow a lot of a lot of bars a lot of wisdom there I remember (laughs) seeing I see on your Instagram you do um you do Monday motivation and yes. this week it was obviously the one about don't tell me sky's the limit when there are foot, footprints on the moon. Um, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I guess just about, yeah, that second point you made there, just setting big goals and getting after them. So it's it's true. It's so true. And thank you for reminding us. Really appreciate no, it. No problem. My pleasure. So we're going to go into the final round now. It's just a quick fire round. I'm going to ask you a couple questions and you can just answer them as quickly as you'd like or you can go into as much detail as you like i've got all the time okay. work for all the details so if you want to do that that's cool with me um, perfect let's go let's go let's go so firstly coaching or running which one was more fun or is more fun oh it's a great question um i feel like without running there would be no coaching so i feel like running always comes first but at the same time, I get as nervous as I do coaching as I did for running because every I care too much about other people. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a nervous wreck on the day of a race when my athletes are, are racing, but it's just because I care. So it's hard to differentiate between the two, but ultimately without running, there would be no running coaching. So I'd have to swear yeah. towards running. Yeah. You know what? This isn't written down, but I just had a new question pop into my mind. What did you find more rewarding then, coaching or coaching because you're obviously doing it for other people or running because you made it to the world indoors and you were British champion and all that sort of stuff? Coaching, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you change other people's lives and when you get messages of or cards through the door or just a text message explaining how much that means to people, it can it always outweighs what you did individually for yourself so yeah coaching that's amazing okay so when you were competing um as an athlete who was your biggest rival oh well i wouldn't say rival but i'm gonna have to go with adam cotton who was my training partner yeah, at the time because, yeah we have identical pbs uh we used to love training with each other like we used to say we were the perfect match for each other in training um, mm-hmm. so he was never a rival in the sense that I never competed against Adam much, but we pushed each other on and I, excuse the pun. We pushed each other onto new levels. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm a sucker for rubbish jokes. I told, you know what, let me give you a joke that I read this morning. Okay. It's, um, what do you call, oh, no. What breakfast do you have on a ship? Oh, go on. Boat's meal. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> that's, oh a proper, that, that's, a, that's not even a dad joke. That's a granddad joke, that one. Hey, I love them. I love them. I love them so much. But anyway, that's not the point. That's not the point. Um, I, I identify what you're saying there about you, being your training partner. There was a guy when I used to run um, at Hearn Hill Harriers down, down south. There was a guy called Jordan who was literally the same. We just pushed each other had all the fun together. We'd always make jokes about, oh, when we're professional and the commentators, because his last name's, his last name's Lucky. So I'd always- Oh, wow. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Jordan got lucky this time and all that. <laughs> um, but like yeah, it. yeah, we, I know what you mean. I know where you're coming from. Um, this next question is, now considering you've raced everywhere or trained everywhere, been all over the world, what's your favorite location that you've run in? Oh, oh, great. That is a really good question. Um, I've got to pick two because in the UK, Kielder Forest is just amazing. Yeah. And anybody in the Northeast, I'd str- anyone in the UK, I'd strongly recommend you go up there and experience Kielder. Uh, I love the mountains. I really do. Uh, so for being somewhere, Morzine is a place that I love to be in the mountains, just waking up and exploring the trails. But for running inspiration alone, I'm actually going for three here. Kenya was just another another level to yeah. see what the, what they achieve from how little they have and the appreciation you have when you come back. It it is really eye opening. So I know I've oh, given sure. three there, but kind of three different reasons as well. Yeah. Well, what about for coaching? Is there a place that you wanted to coach as well? Oh yeah, that's another good question. I guess that would be definitely the mountains because. I just feel like you're in an inspirational setting. Yeah. Um, but then I guess if you if you narrowed it down and said rather than a place, one location, I think sometimes there's something special about coaching under the lights at the track. Yes. Yeah. Something really special about that. Yeah, yeah. That's where champions are born. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. I love uh, I love my boxing and I have that feeling of, you know in the boxing world, like you say, the champions are born in the gym under the lights, you know, it's a famous saying and yeah. similar with athletes, they're, they're born under those lights on the track. That's so true. Absolutely. Okay. And I know you were professional, but was, was there any location that you didn't get to race in that you wanted to race in? Oh yeah. That, so I would say I was always kind of semi-professional because I was never able to do it full time. And that obviously okay. brought its limitations about, but yeah, I would love to have run the Oslo Dream Mile. I would oh, have yeah. loved to run that. It's so yeah, special, yeah. such a heritage. Yeah, I just, Oslo itself, I'd have loved to run there. The Dream Mile would have been just another event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've heard great things about that one as well. So definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, now, if you were to rank your road racing and your track racing, and also, I don't know, did you ever do cross country as well? uh yes i did i did i did uh i did a cross country that was my last race as a cross country the northeastern oh, cross country yeah. yeah i came up home for the northeastern cross country so um track road cross country i actually want to do some fell racing that's my next wow. uh target just to go and enjoy some fell racing abroad and some trail racing yeah but if you had to rank them in an order which one what's your favorite to least favorite track top yeah, definitely absolutely. uh track road cross country fair that's that sounds sensible that makes sense yeah. <laughs> yeah and i had people say they like cross country the most before and i've always been like what it uh, it's... <laughs> yeah not for me not for me nah. fair. now you mentioned that you have a couple books on the go that you love reading um yes. especially your self-help books what's your favorite book that you've read of all time Oh, to narrow it down to one. Can I give one running one and one non running one? Yeah. Uh, so, running book, I really, really enjoyed uh, Meb Keflazeki's 26 Marathons. It's a really good book. It's a really, really good read. And then the non running related book, the one that had the most impact on me uh, was. It's, there's a couple of versions of this book, so I'm not sure I've got the title right, but it was bought to me, bought for me as a secret Santa present. And uh, wow. the limit was 99p, so it was the best value book ever. And it's Coach Wooden, uh, John Wooden, who's basketball coach in America. 
the Bruins and uh, sorry, not the Bruins. Let's talk, ignore that. <laughs> um, getting my sports muddled up, but he is the most successful collegiate basketball coach in history. But his coaching philosophy was just amazing. Really, is yeah. inspirational. So that that from a non-running related book, sports book. And if we went non-sports, Miracle Morning is a great book, mate. Right up there, you can't see it, but I've got that book right there. Yeah, there you go. I read it what two, two or three months ago, and I've just been doing my miracle morning since. Good, good, love it. Real good, good, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, so again, I've given three there, but (laughs) yeah, now we love that. We love more recommendations, the better. That's perfect. And, um, do you watch television or movies or documentaries? Yeah, uh, we watch a lot of Netflix. Um, watch Law. I'm a sportsman, so I've always got sports on. Um, I was a big sucker for the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, this is incredible. Tiger Woods yeah. one is good as well. Being yeah. Tiger Woods, I think it's called on uh, Sky. But yeah, I, I love a Netflix. That's awesome. Perfect. And back to running. Is there out of all the races you've seen, from some of your athletes to some of the top Olympic games as well. Do you have a favorite race of all time? Yes, I do. Um, again, I'm going to give two. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one that doesn't involve any of my athletes or anything was um, Chris Thompson getting silver behind Mo Farah at the Europeans in Barcelona in 2010, I believe, in the 10,000 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomo was a lifelong friend. He was a mentor who's my coach at one point as well and just to see him achieve his potential on that night was just incredible it really was and to see how close it was I mean there's a there's a YouTube clip and Crammy's doing the commentary which makes it even better yeah uh, I think I think the line is something like and Chris Thompson is in a real battle for silver it's going to go all the way to the line and Thompson gets it it's close but we're going to give him it anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic but yeah, so that's number one. And my uh, other one that is related to myself and uh, my wife, who's back now, because I just heard her come in, is when Gemma did the Great North Run in 2012, when she did that during chemotherapy. And wow. She ran it. She was uh, in hospital on the Thursday or Friday, I believe, for a blood transfusion and around a chemo, went up on the Sunday, ran yeah. the Great North Run raised a shed load of money for a brilliant charity and then was back to the hospital next week. <laughs> That's nuts. Wow. That is so inspirational. Jeez. I guess I don't really want to ask this question now because it's like going from this level down, bringing it down a peg, but who's your favourite athlete of all time? My um, favourite athlete? Oh, again, really good question. Yeah. Could be um, a runner, could be any sport. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that um that may change things a little bit uh, why don't you again, why don't you give us two like give us your favorite runner and your favorite uh okay sport. yeah yeah okay that that makes it a little bit easier so again my favorite runner um would be chris thompson yeah. because i can relate to him so well and i learned so much from him um and i just loved everything about him and i know chris would be the first to admit this he doesn't feel like he fulfilled his potential but he will retire from the sport knowing he did everything he possibly could and I have so much respect for him as an athlete so him because he provided the real inspiration in my life because I could see it and I was part of it um favorite sports person uh I'm gonna go with um somebody who I feel like at the time kind of transformed a sport in this country. And that was Ricky Hatton. Boxer. Oh, word. Okay. It's because he, right. I loved boxing at the time. Yeah. The, I mean, to take 40,000 fans over to Vegas is absolutely incredible. Yeah. What he did and what he achieved. He obviously has had a lot of issues outside of the sport since, but mm-hmm. I think what he did for the sport of boxing in this country was absolutely huge. Oh yeah, and, for sure. You know, uh, if I had to pick, so that again was one that has inspired me, but I'm going to go three because we're on a trend. Because <laughs> uh, I need to pick a Leeds United player and that uh, Lucas nice. Radaby, South African 
centre half footballer. Yeah. Um, came over to the UK because his best friend was shot on the pitch uh, in front of him. You know, it kind of tells you what they were going through at the time. Uh, trans- transformed his life, became a cult hero at Leeds United, and still to this day is. So yeah, he was my favourite Leeds player as I was growing up. Yeah, that's amazing. Inspirational, and I guess just to round it off, do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents, <laughs> God, not singing. If you've seen uh, my karaoke uh, recently that I did for charity, we'll, we'll tick that one off. Too. That definitely isn't a hidden talent. Um, God, hidden talents that's a good one. Gemma's sat over there now in the front room. I'm tempted to ask her, but she'll probably tell me to get lost. Uh, I guess. I probably would say talking. <laughs> yeah, that's not really hidden though, is it? <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, Gemma's actually just shouted one at me: baking and cooking. Yeah, baking. Oh, okay. I won. I uh, I won the school bake off when I used to work at a school in London, and uh, yeah. to uh, the absolute dis dismay, despair of one of the ladies who'd won it for the for, for about five years running before I got there. But yeah. my my carrot cake did the job. <laughs> you watched the Great British Bake Off as well. We do watch that actually. We've not watched it as much over the, la- the last year since it changed over, but yeah, we did yeah. used to watch the yeah. Bake Off and used to watch a lot of cooking series. And, and my one thing I would say before I go is my diet was terrible at university. And then living with guys, we had such a good group of guys who we lived with. We loved cooking and baking. It was incredible. <laughs> oh my days! Well, I mean, his diet isn't bad at university. Uh, yeah, just... very true. Very true. <laughs> But yeah, now this has been good. Just to wrap it up, wrap it up. Um, have you got any advice for anybody that wants to get into running and wants to be really good at it? Anybody who wants to get into running, my advice is do it. Um, Gemma yeah. says, take take the first step. Just do it. Get yourself out the door. You just don't know where it'll lead to. So don't be afraid to do it. Anybody who wants to be really good at it, and wants to push themselves is it's not easy but it's not it's not meant to be either if it was easy everyone would do it so it's not going to be easy accept that from day one but the rewards that you get out of it are well worth the journey so just go just go for the ride awesome that's fantastic so inspirational thank you for dropping those gems thank you for dropping all those wisdom bombs and this has been really good so i appreciate you joining me today lewis pleasure and thank you very much for inviting me on it's been it's been great chatting to you all good make sure you follow new levels coaching and runner retreats uk on instagram and what's your instagram lewis your personal one my personal one is lewis moses nlc so lewis moses new levels coaching awesome so make sure you follow that guys um and yeah thank you for tuning into ardent run club episode 10 with lewis moses i hope you've learned something hope you've been inspired and i hope you find your fire see you later Thank you.